Welcome to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind, brought to you by Old Firehouse School. My name is Alexandra Dutton, and I am the program director of Old Firehouse School in Lafayette. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Liz Nolasco, who's the director of Old Firehouse School in San Rafael. And we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Yasuko Fukuda who is a pediatrician in San Francisco, who is going to talk to us about vaccines for children under the age of five. She is on the board of the American Academy of Pediatrics, as well as the chair of the California AAP. So she is on top of all of this information and will have a lot of great things to share with us about the vaccine for children and what is needed to help keep our children and our families safe. Thank you so much, Dr. Fukuda, for joining us today. I know you're very, very busy. Thank you for having me. So what do we know right now about COVID and young children? Certainly. And just to kind of back up as as my role with the American Academy of Pediatrics, not only on the national level, but also on the state level, we work very closely with the California Department of Health and kudos to those that are in the health departments because they are really working hard to watch the data and um, see what's going on and implement policies so that we can keep people safe. I think we had talked a little bit about it's been two and a half years. It's been a really long road for everybody and especially for young families. So I hope everyone is hanging in there. Um, Initially, when the disease started, it was much more of a higher risk population, the elderly who were being hospitalized. But over time, as different variants seem to emerge, we are now finding children are much more affected. And um, the evolution of the vaccine has been from those that were high risk in adulthood and then to the younger and younger ages. Uh, And I think it speaks to the testing and the rigorous process that has been happening to make sure that we can roll out with a vaccine that's safe. We do know children under age five get sick. We know that they get um, hospitalized. And we were just uh, chatting about the rates um, for those that are under age five. However, you count infection, because of course, this is the tip of the iceberg because everybody is testing at home. But the numbers are saying 30,000 children who have had the infection under age five, which I think is a lot more from my experience from the phone calls that I have. But I think even more marked that we know that 500 children under age five have died of COVID. And we do know that half of those have been since the onset of Omicron in the last um, six, seven months. So I'm delighted that we have this vaccine and glad to talk about it. And any questions that you have? Thank you. That's a really scary number that just in the first half of this year, 250 children have already died. And that's um, compared to, you know, what was happening even a year and a half ago. So we, we definitely want families to get educated about the vaccine for the children and hope that we can some light. Um, and I'm going to let Liz ask the first couple of questions that we have because she has a one-year-old. So Liz, go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So this is personal as well as professional for me. So I'd love to hear what you've told your patients so far about the vaccines who've come in and are maybe not even necessarily specifically hesitant, but just curious about the necessity of them. Surely. So I think for anyone, there's, first of all, do I need it? Does my child need that protection? And does it work? And then of course, the safety, any vaccine as they come out, those are, those are the kind of questions that you're going to be juggling as you make decisions about vaccinating your children. 
I think, first of all, to back up in terms of the studies, they have been done very rigorously. If we back up, mRNA technology has been around for a while. The vaccine has now been out for from the elderly for at least a good, what, year and a half plus. Um, and so we know that l- many people have gotten the vaccine already. So other than the studies, there's also what's called post-surveillance studying, which, which makes sure that any side effects get reported. And that's very important so that they can do follow-up. Right. For this younger age group, there were two vaccines that were studied and children enrolled. And I guess I, I back up on the Pfizer study. If you recall, a couple months ago, there was a lot of excitement that a that Pfizer vaccine for those under five was about to come out. And we were on the verge of it and it was not approved, which shows that it was really looked at. And what they found was maybe not as good of a response as we want. And so it was not rolled out, right? And to me, that tells me that the process works, that everyone is being very thoughtful in terms of looking at the data. So just recently, the the FDA again reviewed, and there were two companies that then submitted their data. Pfizer came out after adding a third dose to that two-dose series, and then Moderna came out with a two-dose series. Pretty much very, very equal in terms of effectiveness as far as we know. And I think time will tell if there's another variant, how well it's going to work. But that's what we have at this point. So the effectiveness is not 100%. There's actually no vaccine that's 100%, unfortunately. But the goal is really to keep your child from getting really, really sick. Because we know that if you're vaccinated, you might get COVID. And in fact, there's a lot of people that say, I don't get it. I've gotten boosted. I've gotten boosted twice right? And I still got it. But what we're trying to prevent is that you're in the hospital, that you know you get really, really sick. And that has been very effective. I think uh, as far as effectiveness, they look at antibody studies, certainly, but to see what you make in terms of mounting a, a response. But they also look at who gets hospitalized, who gets really sick, and both vaccines pass that scrutiny. Then the other issue is side effects. And was there anything that were really high in terms of side effects? And kind of, as you well know, your one-year-old has gotten multiple other shots, right? Um, And it's sore, so they're not very happy, but, you know, kind of unhappy, fussy. You could treat it with something, might have a fever, lasts a couple days, and then you're over it. And then you know that your child is protected in a couple of weeks. So I think that's been pretty similar. I'm curious about the responses since a lot of adult experience, and who knows, maybe this is because so many of our our major immunizations were so long ago, but a lot of adults, when they received their COVID vaccine, reported some pretty significant fatigue and achiness. Are you seeing the pediatric population just similar to everything else where it's just a little fussiness, a little... Yeah, I think that was pretty much what the studies have shown. It has been rolled out now, what, a month, something like Mm -hmm. that, and... We were geared up for vaccine clinics and giving it to the kids. And I have not had anybody get really, really sick. I unfortunately had a hospitalized, a little one in the emergency room, like a couple of weeks before it came out, like very sick with a high fever. So that I've seen, (laughs) but, but, uh, you know, just from, you know, what we've given so far, and I have not heard any feedback that there has been a lot of really high fevers or side effects. Now, there is something called the uh, VAERS, which is the Vaccine Adverse Effect um, Surveillance System. 
so that anyone, a pediatrician or a parent or a teacher or anyone can report if they think that there was a side effect from the vaccine. And all of that data is being monitored. I mean, that is why the whole issue about the blood clots, right, that came out in young women. And that's why that was looked at. There was the whole issue about myocarditis after the Moderna vaccine. And that was also looked at. And so there is also a reporting system for later. It's not like, you know, you do the studies, say, okay, we can use it and roll it out and not pay attention to all of that. I think people should feel pretty comfortable that there's a pretty good process. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you've encountered this already or what you would tell families who might be reluctant to vaccinate their child because they've already recovered from a natural infection. Is there... um, Has that come up or is, do you have a... Yeah. And so that's come up a lot. And honestly speaking with, um, in the last couple of months, everybody has gotten their whole family infected, you know, despite the parents being vaccinated and maybe one of their two children are vaccinated. An interesting observation has been that if you have the disease and then you get your vaccine, you actually get a better response. When they come out of it, I tell them, well, the good news is that we can still vaccinate you. You can be vaccinated anytime after you've been sick. Primary series, there's a recommendation to wait a little bit, maybe take advantage of those nice antibody levels that you have and then boost them, right? It can it can be up to three months after you've been sick, but they do definitely show that you um, get a better response. So having COVID was not fun, but the added benefit for later after you are out of it and get vaccinated is actually your antibody response is better. Is there a timeline that families should wait or is that just kind of up to each individual child? Yeah, each individual child. I mean, technically you can do it as soon as you're out of the out of the disease. You know, you have to be out of isolation to go in to get it and you have to feel better. Right. And so I think it depends on your individual situation. There are some people who, you know, we can wait a little bit, can be up to three months. But, you know, in a month, we're planning to go out of town. We're going to visit the grandparents. Why not, you know, go ahead and get started? You won't be able to finish the whole series, but at least you can get started. Uh, So a a lot of that is kind of individually discussed with families. As a general rule, we say one to three months from after you've had the disease. And is it similar? I'm assuming it's similar, but having COVID does not give you stronger immunity than the vaccine. Like that's that's how it is for adults. So I'm, I'm guessing for children, it's the same. Yeah. So the issue is, so just to back up, coronavirus has been along for, around for a really long time. It causes the common cold. So if you have had toddlers, you know that they get one thing after another, right? So unfortunately, having an infection from coronavirus does not make you immune later. And so if you've had the disease and you may get it again. There may be new variants. There's that unknown that we don't know, and we don't know what the variants are going to be like. So I think that's the unknown part of it is, of course, how good are these vaccines in preventing for later? There may be evolution of the vaccine as well. It's kind of like the flu shot, right? The flu every year also changes. So so it may be a, a similar vibe. And because of how we have been in the Bay Area, I think we've seen vaccination rates be really high among adults. How are you seeing it with children in the older group who have gotten, you know, have been able to get it? And would you anticipate that it will be, what, what, it, what will it be like for this younger population that just now can get vaccinated? Yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope that picks up. So statewide, 
the rates of immunization, for example, example, the older kids have been monitored. And I was tooting my horn because Marin County, for example, had the highest vaccination rate for COVID, right? Including the older kids before the younger kids one came out. Unfortunately, we also then went on to become the county with the highest rates of COVID infection. So, you know, um, maybe that's part of the international hub that we are in because people are traveling now. But um, the 5 to 11-year-olds has not been as much as what we were hoping. It's been about a third of children getting their first or their second dose. So hopefully we can all come together and say, you know what, let's just get everybody in the family done and do everybody from age six months and up and put them on a cycle to get their shots. But that has not been as high. The teens have been a little bit more, closer to more like two-thirds, 70 to 80%. And I think the teens also have their own minds, right? And they want to go off and do stuff with their friends and stuff. So so maybe you can talk them more into, you know, I think I should, maybe you should get this because you're going to go on a camping trip all together with your buddies, right? But the little ones has not been as much. And what I'm hoping is that the uptake will be much more in families with their preschool kids and their grade school kids, that they will get the vaccine. The mandated vaccine for school was to take effect this fall and they they held it off until I think next year. So children in elementary school will have to have their vaccine. Okay. So yeah, so there's talk about it maybe next year that the COVID vaccine would become required. Oh okay. So similar to MMR and DTAP and right all the other ones would just be mandated. Mm -hmm. So okay. Mm -hmm. And just based on what you said earlier about all of our understanding of COVID that has kind of stayed with us is that maybe vaccination rates aren't as high with children because we have that understanding that is not necessarily true anymore, that children don't get sick. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think parents are going to worry and make sure that this is okay to give their children, which I can understand. I think the feeling that this is new and I want to be careful. Is it really, you know, there's a balance of risk and benefit, right? The risk of my child getting the disease versus the risk of getting the shot and having a side effect. And are they really benefiting from it? I mean, that's, that's the, the balance that you're doing when you're doing the vaccines. The COVID vaccine is fine to give with other vaccines. And then I have to have a family that feels comfortable about doing it. You know, some, some don't, and then we work with them. The other issue, of course, is that for children under 36 months, it's not like you can get them into a pharmacy to get your vaccine. So access is a big issue, and it's not like you have lots of time to run around and get your children their shots, right? Especially if you have to do two or three of them. I think all the pediatricians and family practice and clinics are all trying to figure out how to handle that. Some of the counties are helping out with sites. It's been a burden on many of the offices that are trying to open and be able to accommodate that. You know, our office is doing Saturday clinics and people are just coming in and out. I have staff and they have young families too. And so, you know, everybody is trying to do their part. We were talking, gosh, I think this is before we started recording, a little bit about the social impact of COVID on the young children and how they really haven't been able to get out into the world. I'm curious if you would recommend that children are either fully vaccinated or have at least started their COVID series before participating in group child care or preschool. Yeah. So we know. And you guys have been open, so you know the daily ins and outs of managing this. I think vaccination is part of the whole strategy, right? So certainly to be vaccinated will help 
it will help you not get as sick, but you can still get the disease. So I think everyone doing their part, if your child is just starting to get sick, to try not to bring them. If you have a staff member that's sick and starting to get a cold, I mean, you know, then to not have them come in so that, you know, as a group, we are all practicing ways to limit. If you can get a mask on. Most kids are pretty good if, if they're taught in terms of putting on a mask when they're two, of course, you know, terrible twos, they're not going to tear it off. Right. So, but children from three and up, if everyone is sort of wearing it when you're indoors with each other to be careful and washing their hands, if you're outside and running around, maybe you don't need it. Right. If you're, if you're more separated because it's hard to wear a mask all day, I, I have to do it every day. So I know. But there are, are many things that we can implement to make sure, you know, so learning to wash your hands, kids learn that, right? Wash your hands, let's do it together. If you can wear a mask, don't bring your children in the beginning of an illness. If they are just starting to get a little bit of a cold and sniffle or a little bit of a fever, but they look pretty good, you know, in the past, we've been like, well, we'll just go. And then they come to your program and then they spike a fever or they start to throw up or something, right? So I think if everyone can sort of be a little more vigilant about that. And the role of testing, I think, certainly is helpful. I hate to swab noses every single day. I think that's a little bit much. But, you know, surveillance and monitoring, if you have the, the ability to have families with resources to be able to test their children, some people are doing it once a week, but definitely to have home tests if someone becomes sick so that they can be monitored. And then you need a system if you have someone that is exposing everybody, right? If you have a case, then you have to follow up. So I think you guys have been open. There are schools that have been open and been very successful in terms of staying open. So thank you very much. Kudos to all of you. Thank you. Yes, well, it's definitely a lot. Thank you. We do a lot of those things that you mentioned. We are still masking indoors for children two and older. And we do feel like it's with transmission within the school for sure. And we do surveillance testing as well. Do you have a sense that if enough people, and I don't even know what that number would be. I'm, this is going to be a question <laughs> I'm just throwing at you, but how many, how many people in our school would you feel like, okay, we can maybe get rid of, let's say masking indoors if X number of children in this classroom are vaccinated for COVID? Do you have a sense of what, yeah, I think, what those I think would that's, be? That's the hard part of it. For example, we have numbers on measles and whooping cough in terms of vaccination rates. We know you need to be in the high 90% mark for measles because it's so contagious, for example. COVID has been a little bit harder to sort of gauge. You know, it's, it has changed over time. If you have enough in the community, then you got another new variant and trying to keep up with that has been hard. I think it is not just going to be vaccination that's going to help control. I think it's going to be all of the other things that you can do to limit spread. So it, it's kind of, I can't say, you know, 70% get vaccinated and then we're going to be much better. And then right. I think it's going to depend on the variant that comes around. I mean, if you have a variant that's completely, you're not protected at all by the vaccination law, it's not going to make any difference. And we know with Omicron that it has changed, right? And I can't even keep track of all the letters and numbers from BA4 and BA2 and et cetera mm -hmm. that have been coming out. But what has been shown is apparently it's a lot more contagious. Mm -hmm. And the current vaccines for children under five would still have some impact on Omicron? Yes. And once you're fully vaccinated, there is some protection. They have okay. found that. Mm -hmm. 
both Pfizer and Moderna. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts you'd want to share as a pediatrician who's been dealing with this for the last two and a half years? Yeah, I think the toll of the pandemic, I think, and as we were talking, is not just hospitalization rates or who ends up in the emergency room. It has been a huge social and emotional impact on families. And for those families that have the littlest ones that have finally been able to get their vaccine, and yes, the kids that are coming in are crying and upset that they're getting the shots, but the amazing number of three and four-year-olds that are raising up their arms and saying, I finally get to get a shot. Everybody else except for me, yay. You know, (laughs) I think speaks to the toll of this disease and what it's done for all of us. And the impact in preschool is huge. Thank you very much for all your work and trying to keep your kids healthy and safe as much as you can, because I think this is an important part of their development and everyday living and parents need it also for their jobs. So uh, just keeping your family moving together. I think that's the goal that all of us have from the public health department to the pediatricians and the family practice docs that are taking care of you and parents. So hang in there. We are trying to do our part in helping children who are getting vaccinated to feel proud of it. And it's been great. One of my four-year-old classrooms the first couple of children to get their vaccine the moment they turn five. Now that we have children who are able to get it, they mm-hmm. kind of act as the ambassadors of like, oh, it's just a shot. It hurts for a little bit, but then you get a lollipop or you get a sticker. And so we actually had one of our groups do like a, a Q&A about it because two of the other children in the class were going to leave earlier that day to get the shot. Uh-huh. And so we're trying to be ambassadors and trying to help the children to be able to even talk to each other about what it's like to get the shot and helping everybody and feel like it's going to be something that might not be pleasant, but at the end of it, they're going to feel really proud and, and they can show like, that's what they do. They come back and they go, look, I got my shot. That's yes, right. that's great. That's right. And so really trying to, to make them feel like it was something to be proud of. And, you yeah. know, that maybe that little bit of emotional boost from us will help them not feel so awful about the idea of getting the injection. That's right. That's fabulous. And if, if it helps any, I have a little video clip of Elmo, little Elmo getting his shot and being very proud. So uh, <laughs> I've seen know, that. Yeah, it's very good. So, but that's part of it. And I think trying to do the best we can to limit spread as much as we can so that we can keep kids in school, in preschool, because they need that. They need to have that development and be together. Thank you for all you do. Thank, Thank you, Dr. you so much. Well, we really appreciate talking with you and you're sharing so much information. So take care and, yeah, you know, maybe, you. maybe we'll be checking in with you again one of these yeah. days. Yep. And if any questions or anything arises, let me know. Thank you. Take care. Take Bye. care. All right. Thanks again for listening to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind brought to you by Old Fire School. Thanks, Liz, for joining me today. Anything you want to say? Uh, I'm extra excited to get my son vaccinated in a couple of days, and I hope everyone else does too. Great. Yes, do that and hope we can keep the spread of COVID down as much as possible. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please subscribe to Old Firehouse School podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is Old Firehouse School. And you can also follow us on Facebook, our handle of Old Firehouse School, O-F-S. And on our website, which is 
oldfirehouseschool.com, you can find a whole lot of podcasts that we've done, ranging from potty training to separation to uh, nutrition. So thank you for joining us and we hope that you continue to learn with us.